Welcome to the discussion, Cybersecurity Compliance and Risk Management, sponsored by HID Global. Here's today's moderator, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Chief Technology Officer Duane Shell and Chief Information Security Officer Kevin Ford with North Dakota. Welcome to Ask the CIO SLED Edition, our state and local program, guys. It's great to have you on the air. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes, thank you. Our theme for this uh, series of interviews includes cybersecurity, compliance, risks, and identity and access management. But, uh, but Doug and Kevin, before we focus on these issues, I, I have to say outright with discussions with uh, some of your colleagues around the country over the last uh, month and at least certainly the last several weeks, I'm sure that things have been hectic for you and your CIO colleagues uh, everywhere as a result of this uh, pandemic. I'm sure you, uh, you and Sean Riley, the Chief Information Officer for North Dakota, have spent a lot of face time with uh, your governor, Doug Bergman. Tell us about your state's plan and reaction. I understand you're one of, I think it's eight states now. Tell us about what's going on in North Dakota. This is Dwayne. Um, we, we, like many states, are battling through this situation. Um, and you, you mentioned the shelter in place orders. Yeah, you are right. Uh, North Dakota is one that has not uh, issued one of those globally. Uh, that said, uh, Governor Burgum and uh, the administration have issued a number of executive orders uh, limiting a number of activities. So even though we have not uh, issued a statewide global shelter in place order, you do see lots of different organizations and, and lots of different activities having been suspended as a result of the ask of, of the governor and, and the state government as a whole to, for people to practice social distancing, but also uh, the, the different areas that have been asked uh, through uh, executive order to shut down. Obviously, things have been busy here, um, um, helping all the organizations that are in the response mode, providing them with uh, data, providing them with technology. We, like most organizations, have shifted rapidly to a telework scenario, so moving uh, or enabling uh, almost 7,000 uh, state employees uh, that typically come to an office uh, every day into a telework scenario uh, was a big undertaking for us. You know, I'll bet it was. Uh, tell me a little bit more about, did you have the devices available? Uh, did you have the networks and VPN licenses and software uh, to, to facilitate that uh, telework process? Um, with our um, other pandemic uh, or disaster recovery planning, we did have uh, licensing around for our VPNs to support it. Uh, we did have the, the VPN infrastructure in place. Obviously, pushing this kind of volume uh, through it on a sustained basis was very new to us, like, like many. From a device perspective, um, um, many of our uh, state agencies and, and government entities that we support uh, did have uh, laptops in their fleet, but um, many of them still had their desktops. So uh, as, as I think everybody knows, supply chains have been backed up for a little while. So we took the stance of whatever device you have is the device you're going to go with. So we helped uh, lots and lots of users uh, 
pack up their desktop devices, uh, move them home, set them up, uh, built a lot of training videos and training curriculum and, and support methodologies to help with that transition. Uh, Kevin, anything to add? Uh, not much more than that. I, it was a, actually a really, really great transition. Um, uh, Dwayne and uh, team did really, really well there. Of course, moving everyone home um, has a slew of uh, cybersecurity externalities associated with it. And I'm sure we'll touch on that a little, uh, a little further along here, but um, yeah, it was a, it was actually a really um as, as far as these things could go, it was actually a pretty smooth process. I think it lasted about one to one and a half days in total. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move over and focus on the compliance issues. Uh, I know one of the things that uh, bothered me the most when I was CIO in Massachusetts and California was all the mandates that came out, not only from the feds, but some from uh, state the state government as well. And it very became difficult to, to do our jobs. Uh, there's a lot of federal and state mandates that are significantly affecting not only cybersecurity, but many of the other compliance issues as well. What are some of the most significant issues facing North Dakota? Oh, that's a good question. Well, so North Dakota is, is pretty unique. Um, we like to say we are one of the uh, heaviest uh, regulated organizations in the world. Um, we have, of course, the usual suspects and tax and so on and so forth. Um, but in addition, as far as I know, we're the only state that actually also runs its own bank. Um, so we have a number of FFIEC regulations in place as well. And, you know, for me, the largest struggle is just generally constantly balancing the various requirements of each of the regulations, building crosswalks so that each um, regulation aligns to the other and you get to see kind of that overall view of what has to be done and where. Um, what, one of the biggest you know, solutions to me or one of the things I've been advocating for a long time uh, would be to really standardize you know, any federal regulation around one framework. Um, potentially that's a NIST cybersecurity framework or the NISC, uh, risk or NIST risk management framework or something along those lines. But, you know, just keeping it in place really adds a lot of challenges um, that potentially don't actually need to exist if we could just standardize on one thing. I like to recollect my days when I first was introduced to this issue. I was the CIO in, in Massachusetts and we had, a, had an, uh, some problems with some uh, data center employees accessing uh, tax returns of some of the local Boston celebrities. I remember Larry Bird, the Hall of Fame forward, uh, tax uh, returns was one uh, in, the, in the mix. And we ended up having to discipline a number of folks. But obviously, these issues are substantially more sophisticated, challenging, and expensive, and even dangerous. So tell us about the entire landscape of identity and access management solutions for state employees. How has it evolved in your state? So, Dwayne, would you like yeah. to maybe start talking about this, and then I can add on towards the end? Yep, absolutely. So, North Dakota is maybe a, a little bit unique here. Um, we we are a, a one of the more consolidated or centralized states, and and the work that we're doing uh, today in the last uh, couple two years uh, is even furthering that uh, effort. But at the core of identity, um, North Dakota uh, has a single domain, single forest around our Active Directory domain. So some of the challenges that people have stepped through over the years with 
uh, lots of different identity stores is not nearly as significant here. Um, being in uh, a situation like that has, has simplified that, um, but uh, just simply having a, a single identity store uh, takes a, a fair amount of discipline and a fair amount of management on top of it to, to address uh, some of the other things that you've been talking about. Um, in addition to our uh, inside uh, facing Active Directory, um, we also, gosh, it's got to be at least a, a decade or more uh, old, uh, a separate uh, uh, directory for citizen uh, and external parties for authentication. So um, not to suggest uh, we've got it all figured out. Uh, we, we definitely don't, and, and there's a lot of work we want to do there. But maintaining uh, those two directories, one for all the state government from an employee base and then a, a second one, which we are in the middle of a project of evolving that as well. Let me just interrupt you there just a second, because we're going to have to take a short break now. Our guests today are Dwayne Shell, Chief Technology Officer, and Kevin Ford, the Chief Information Security Officer for the state of North Dakota. You're listening to Ask the CIO Set Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Finding the right multi-factor authentication and building a zero-trust strategy that's compliant with current mandates can feel like a huge challenge. Security doesn't have to be overly complex. State, county, or municipalities can be protected using the same ironclad security as the federal government. HID Global has a comprehensive identity management platform providing cybersecurity compliance, MFA for privileged users, e-authentication, and simplified PKI. Learn more at hidglobal.com sled. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Lynn, and my guests today are CTO Dwayne Shell and CISO Kevin Ford from the state of North Dakota. Uh, when we took a break, uh, Dwayne, you were just telling us a little bit more about your IAM process. Why don't you finish up, and then we'll give Kevin a shot. Yeah, so as we were talking, you know, we've, we've got the single active directory for all the state government. We've got our external facing directory for uh, citizens and uh, other stakeholders. So um, that has positioned us somewhat well uh, for some of these challenges, but th there's a lot more to it than simply identity. So um, maybe I'll let Kevin talk a, a little bit more about um, some of the challenges around access management and the things that we're doing there and how we're evolving our, our directory structures. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. Um, so one of the interesting things about the COVID-19 epidemic um, that I've been seeing in, in, in conversations with uh, my counterparts at other states is the move to actually relax MFA and access control controls. And so uh, one of the things we chose to do here in North uh, Dakota, particularly because we are so centralized, is actually doubled down and made MFA um, mandatory for more or less the entire workforce as they moved home. And so that's actually been a pretty interesting rollout um, and one that was a lot less dramatic than we thought it would be. Moving the workforce home and enabling MFA at the same time is probably maybe not advised in 
larger um, distributed networks. Uh, but for North Dakota, since we are so centralized here, uh, that was actually very, very easy for us to do. Um, so that's been a real success story over you know, the COVID-19 epidemic for us. And then something that's really, really, uh, I think, uh, forgotten about um, as far as good security around IAM is actually identity proofing. Um, identity proofing is something, you know, we sort of take for granted in our enterprises. But when we look at the customer, or in our case, the citizen, um, identity proofing becomes a very, very uh, important thing, um, particularly when we start building centralized applications um, that may include identity and granting permissions at different sorts of levels. Uh, so to that end, North Dakota, uh, as, as Dwayne said, is building a directory for our citizens um, so that the citizens can have a uh, citizen-based login. And we are tying um, identity proofing to different levels of access to that login. So for instance, um, if you needed to engage with a very uh, critical service or a service that requires a lot of very um, critical information, you would have to have gone through an identity proofing uh, measure that is comparable to maybe what you would get in person at DOT when you're getting your um, driver's license, whereas things like just registering for a hunting or fishing license may require a level of access uh, that you could do at home and a level of identity proofing you could do at home. So those are yeah. sort of the, uh, the things we're thinking about here as far as I am in North Dakota. Yeah, well, that certainly reminds me of, of the situation I faced as the CIO. Even back in the beginning, I remember signing the first contract in Massachusetts for an internet service provider. We worked with the Department of Motor Vehicles, like most states did, one of the early adoptions of any kind of online services for car registrations. And the only problem was, uh, once we started at the DMV, then the other departments wanted to do it. Next thing you know, you had dozens of departments with their own uh, username and login process, and it got terribly unfriendly from a, a citizen's perspective. So it sounds to me like you've addressed that. So we are addressing it. It's a ambitious project, but I think it's in very, very good hands. And so we're moving along uh, quite swiftly on it. So we have not quite addressed it past tense yet, but we are definitely, uh, I think, on the forefront of addressing those issues, yes. You know, sticking with the uh, security compliance topic, a, a number of your your colleagues around the country and in, in, in the private sector and the federal government as well, they're looking at zero trust, multi-factor authentication. Does North Dakota, do you folks believe that that's where it needs to start with zero trust to build and establish on your networks? Um, I absolutely do. And this is uh, something my team has been engaging with uh, Dwayne's networking team to help establish. Dwayne, would you like to... Uh, maybe take this part and tell them what we have in place? Yeah, so um, that's definitely uh, one of our strong beliefs is around the zero trust model. Um, I think we were one of the early adopters in uh, that practice. Um, as we look at our data center, which is where we started, whether in our data center is broader than our physical structure anymore nowadays. It extends into uh, various cloud type services, but um, we've been successful of adopting our zero trust in a very fine grain uh, micro segmentation model across um, all of the applications that we have in our data center. 
when we think about the broader space of the network, we've been uh, on a multi-year effort of implementing this methodology everywhere. So the data center itself is highly controlled with a very strong uh, zero trust posture and uh, the network uh, in North Dakota is bigger than state government. Um, uh, our, our network provides services to all of the public sector. So uh, oftentimes we refer to it as the seven branches of government. Uh, our civics class taught us there was three, there's actually four more. We've got um, county government, we've got city government, we've got K through 12 uh, and higher education and our network serves all of them. And We've been on a, on a multi-year effort of putting pretty significant uh, fine-grained controls, not just in the data center, but across the entire network on how we segment and, and control the access uh, between individuals and between uh, organizations on our network. Um, not to say that our work is done in this, this space, but uh, something we've been working on and firmly believe in. Yeah, so I think, you know, as we start studying zero trust more and more um I, you know i I, th I think we're going to come away with uh certain technologies that are must have and certain technologies that are nice to have around it but i don't think we're there yet um so i i really commend Dwayne and his team and uh and and my team for working together to figuring out what the best zero trust solutions would be for the state of north dakota um, I do think it is a very promising area, but I do also think it's an area that deserves you know, more study. Um, I know NIST recently came out with uh, some documentation around it, and of course, there's the uh, there's the um, the old go to the Google um, documentation and, and all that. Um, I, I'm really, really intrigued uh, about this idea, and really looking forward to see what uh, vendor technologies come out. Um, around zero trust, because to me, I think it is an incredibly powerful, just it's a, a powerful concept that we need to embrace and, and really grow. You know, continuing with the uh, discussion, particularly in the coronavirus uh, era, I've noticed uh, from talking to a number of your colleagues around the country, uh, they're having some problems because of the uh, uh, pressure being put on some of their legacy applications in particular surrounding unemployment insurance uh, eligibility systems and, and uh, claim systems. I noticed in fact in California, you know, they were completely, uh, completely inundated with millions of new applications. Are you facing similar problems with some of your legacy applications in this new uh, telework environment and not only from your employees, but obviously from the citizens? So from a telework perspective, I think we talked a little bit about that already. Um, the, our VPN environment uh, was in place. The licensing was there. Um, you know, the first couple of days that people worked at home, um, we did have to do a bit of tuning and uh, configuration there to give everybody the, the best experience uh, in that uh, space. These secondary things that are happening uh, with unemployment being the one that's hitting uh, fast and furious uh, and these other programs coming thereafter, the unemployment area is one where, yes, we, like many, still have some legacy uh, technologies there, but we've been pretty fortunate with our ability to scale it so far. Um, it's hanging in there. We've had to uh, review processes a bit um, on how uh, functions are done. Uh, we've supplemented it with some other uh, technologies to sit in front of it. 
it's uh, um, tremendous the amount of scale that has happened in North Dakota. Uh, just uh, a month or two ago was uh, one of, you know had some of the lowest employment uh, it's ever seen, and um, the, the claims are coming in fast and furious. Um, but our partners over at uh, the agency that runs the program has uh, done a nice job of, of scaling up their staff and uh, our business partners. Um, that uh, are, are supporting these technologies along with our own team have done a really nice job of making sure it continues to perform and meet the needs of the citizen. Um, yeah, it's certainly good to hear because I know how important that's going to be around the country in the next uh, weeks and months. Uh, we only have a minute or so left. And one of the things I wanted to talk about as I chat with some of your colleagues around the country, I know back when I was CIO in California, I faced the year 2000 issue. And it really wasn't a, a life or death situation, but it was one of the times where the role of CIO was very important. It's good to see that I think some of the technology folks, technology leaders around the country are really stepping up in these days. And it really demonstrates when you have a strong uh, CIO office with a strong CIO that's positioned properly in the organization chart with access to the governor. It's really nice to, to know that uh, uh, that's happening and the governor and the rest of the folks are really rely on them. I think it's uh, going to be the IT folks finest hour. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think, I think it's, it, you said it nicely. It, it really will be one of, one of the IT folks finest hour, right? Um, we've, we've done a lot in this, in this crisis. Um, and, you know, I, th I think the fact that particularly in North Dakota, that business um, or the business of the government is, is, advancing and progressing so well in spite of the uh, COVID-19 crisis is really a testament to um, how, how much the world was ready to change, right? We had all sorts of, um, you know, technologies that allow us to work remotely, work from wherever. And I think in the future, we're really going to start seeing a model um, where, you know, states will, will start, you know, reaching out and embracing uh, the, the best talent and the and and the best technology wherever it is in in the nation um and and really uh using the um the you know this new mobile lifestyle uh to their advantage um which mm. is something you know uh, startups right now are currently doing it doesn't matter where you have a startup you can get the best talent um you know, in, in the nation, maybe in the world, um, to your startup, um, as long as, you know, you're, you're open to this concept of mobility and maybe, um, uh, you know, open Absolutely. to the concept of the gig economy. So that might yep. be places where we look from here on out. Let's see, Dwayne, 30 seconds, close us out. Yeah, no, this is a, this is a very interesting time. Uh, it's a, it's a trying time for our country. It's a trying time for our state. It's a trying time for the world. And, you know, the work that's been done here leading up to it, I think uh, we were positioned well to respond and we're, uh, couldn't be more proud of our teams for the things they've done to step up uh, for us. Uh, and uh, looking forward to, um, getting past the, um, the, 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 the difficult times and, and seeing what the, the new normal looks like on the other side. Okay. Well, with that, we'll have to conclude our program today. I want to thank our guests, Chief Technology Officer Dwayne Shell and Chief Information Security Officer Kevin Ford from the state of North Dakota. Thanks for taking time to be with us, guys. It was very interesting and informative. Thank you. Thank you. 
content from this state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors, is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flint. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Cybersecurity Compliance and Risk Management, sponsored by HID Global on Federal News Network.